church. And so for me, it just seems normal. And perhaps that's the, the, the answer to everyone. It just sort of seems normal. Why Sunday? Why not Saturday? If, as a student of the Bible, I simply give the answer because that's kind of how it always has been and that's what is normal to me, then I am a lazy student. I need to be able to defend what I believe and the gathering here amongst any other thing is, is just as important as defending why we sing when we gather or, or why we live the lives that we live or why we have the marriages that we have. Let's look at God's qualities. God's qualities are boundless. Now, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but it is a long one. The qualities of God you'll see in Deuteronomy chapter 5 are that God is great, and in Psalm 33 that God is good. You'll see in John 3.16 that God is a loving God. 1 Peter 1, He is a holy God. Matthew chapter 5, He is perfect. Romans chapter number 12, He is merciful. John chapter 5 and John chapter 6, God is an invisible God. Exodus chapter 15, He is glorious. In Acts chapter 10, He is just. Psalm 84, He's gracious. Psalm 19, He is righteous. In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 5, we find that God is long-suffering. Revelation chapter 4, we find His majesty. And in Romans chapter 8, we see His generous nature. Psalm 78, we see how compassionate He is for us. Psalm 42, how kind He is. Exodus cha or Ecclesiastes, rather, chapter 5, how wealthy He is. 1 Corinthians 1, how faithful He is. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that He is the Creator. Genesis chapter 2, that He is the giver of our freedom of choice. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 5, that He is our provider. Matthew chapter 6, He is our sustainer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that He is eternal. We find Him being mentioned as a fortress, a buckler, a hope, a shield, a redeemer, our authority, our shelter, our control, one who has all of our needs in the very palm of His hand. By the way, once again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is the God that we serve. This is our righteous and holy creator that we have an opportunity to come together on days like this. To get together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship. The God that we serve found within the Bible, His qualities are boundless. That being said, can God communicate with me in such a way that I can understand and obey? Listen, this is not a hard question. You have a 50-50 shot right here. It's yes or no, so shake or nod. Can God communicate with me in such a way where I can understand and obey? If that's the case, then, and it is, if that's the case, then we should be able to find out why we do whatever it is that we do. And we should find that within the context, and the context only, of the Bible. And so let's do that. And so if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to turn that to Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to approach this lesson 
of why Saturday or Sunday by looking first at the three dispensations of time mentioned within the Bible. Uh, if you don't like the word dispensation, you can use the word time, period. It's all relatively uh, the same word. So Hebrews chapter 1. Beginning in verse number 1, there the Hebrews writer, by the inspiration of God, would write this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past, now hear this, unto the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom he hath made the worlds. There are three sections of human history that are mentioned within verse number 1 and into verse number 2. Unto the fathers, by the prophets, and by his Son. Those are what we commonly call the patriarchal age the uh, Mosaic Law Age, the Old Testament, and the, the New Testament Age. Those are the only three periods of time found within the Bible. One of the greatest questions you and I can ask when we study the Bible really is twofold. Number one, what time period is it in? And number two, who's he talking to? If I can understand those two questions, which are really kind of the same question, then I can clear up about nine-tenths of the problems I have with what is a command given to me or a command not given to me. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7. By faith, Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. How many of you are currently in the construction of an ark business? So, you don't care about your families, right? We have to ask that question first. Who's God speaking to and in what time period? Because when he is speaking to Noah, he is not speaking to all of mankind. Although that boat is big enough for all of mankind. He's not speaking to me to go build a boat today. If he did, girls would be in trouble. I don't know anything about building boats, but I know a guy. So maybe we wouldn't be in trouble as much. The fact is that when God says to Noah, build a boat for the saving of your family, one, he's talking to a patriarch of a family. That is, he's talking to the head of a family. It's during the time in which God spoke to them. Two, he's not speaking to me. This was an ark for the saving of Noah's family. Not Billy's family. So as I look at that command, I understand that those things during the patriarchal law were not written to me. Do you know Job, as he would pray for his children, would also make sacrifice for them? Anybody pray for their children? Good. Make sacrifice? No. Do you know why? That's an old, or rather a, a patriarchal system that was given to Job and his family. We don't do that. Why? Because we don't live underneath that, that system of faith anymore. And those things are almost juvenile and laughable as we look at them. We're establishing some groundwork. So let's go to the next law. The law of Moses. How many of you have a garden? How many of you speak English? All right, good. How many of you have a garden? How many of you have more than one thing planted in your garden? 
All right, so you need to go home and rip everything out that's not one particular seed. Leviticus chapter number 19, each field is planted with one seed, one type of seed. You like corn and okra? You can't have them growing together. How many of you ever wear a, a um, garment that has two materials? Now let me show you something. See the outside of this coat? All right. See the inside of this coat? You see how they look differently? That's because they are two different materials. So I can't wear that. And if my mother is watching today, I'm doing this to prove a point. You can't wear that, Deuteronomy chapter 22. But none of us have any blue tassels on the corners of our clothing which was commanded in Numbers chapter 15, so that the nation of Israel would remember the majesty and the power and the royalty of God. When was the last time that you uh, made a payment for your firstborn son? We are free and clear. I don't have any sons. When's the last time you made payment for that? Because the nation of Israel would pay not only for the firstborn sons who were human, but for the firstborn male animals also. That's found in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. When was the last time uh, you laid your land to rest? Here's the mention I made this morning at the 7 o'clock hour. That's found in Leviticus chapter 25, that I wish my yard would rest. I'm so tired of cutting grass, mowing along, whatever you call it. I'm tired of doing that. I need for the rain to stop and the heat to come on and for it to kill that off. I don't lay my yard to rest. Do you lay yours? Maybe for you who have a larger garden, you might let it rest or you might add those nutrients needed for the next year during the, the fall and the winter time. When's the last time you ever thought during the fall, you know what I need to do? I need to go out here and live in a tent for a week. We, we do, but we call that camping and we think that's fun. When's the last time you did it because God commanded it? That's the Feast of the Tabernacles. All right, gentlemen, how many of you are married to a lady? We're not going to stop right there. Who has a sister? All right, good. For all of you who are married who have a, have a sister-in-law who is the, the blood sister of your wife, let's suppose she's married and her husband dies. You going to bring her on over into your house and be your wife too? Genesis chapter 38, that's the Leverett Law. I married the sister I wanted for a reason. You married the sister you wanted for a reason. You, I can't explain to you how good a BLT is when you put on top of it a fried green tomato or a pulled pork sandwich. How good is that? That no longer can be in your diet. How many of you have ever been to Jerusalem for the five days that are required by God? We're going to have to move. Because I'm going to guarantee you this, from Hot Springs, Arkansas, to Jerusalem is a fur piece. That's a long trip. It's expensive. Do you know if you're clean or unclean? Do you know how to figure out if you're clean or you're unclean? Do you know how to get from unclean to clean? How many of you are married to a Gentile? Mm, 
Mm. Mm. There's a principle here. Just with that first dispensational law, that, that law of the patriarchs, we don't do those things because we're not underneath that law. We don't do those things either, do we? We're not underneath those laws. And yet, sometimes it is the fact that people want to take the New Testament law and a portion of the Old Testament law. If my mother is watching, she will have a heart attack. Sometimes we want to take a portion of that Old Testament law and, and say it needs to be bound with that New Testament law. That would be incorrect thinking. And here's the reason why. In Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, one of the major points that Paul is trying to make through the inspiration of God is to point out people who are called Judaizing teachers. Now, you've probably heard that phrase a long portion of your life if you spend any time within the walls of the church and within the study of the Bible, but maybe you don't really know what that means. It means someone who would take uh, the New Testament and just add a portion to it. In Galatians, what they were trying to add was, was circumcision. But it doesn't matter if you want to add leveret laws or, or Sabbath worship or if you want to add temple worship exclusively, or if you want to add just the Feast of the Tabernacle, or if you want to add just the Day of Atonement. It doesn't matter what you add to it. It's the fact that you're adding something to it. And there are three times mentioned within the Bible, God said, don't you add to what I'm saying. And, by the way, don't you take away from it. That's found in Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's found in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 6, and the last chapter of the book of Revelation. At the beginning, the middle, and the end, he says continually, don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just do those things. And in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 15, throughout verse number 29, we see Paul masterfully um, making a connection between the old law and the new law. Especially in verse number 24 and 25, he says there that the old law, that Old Testament system of saving mankind or, or pushing things forward, was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Now, if you've ever looked at Roman society, you'll know that a, a schoolmaster is what we would call today for the public school systems, the bus. How many of y'all ever seen a bus? It's large and yellow. You see a lot of them going up and down Airport Road. Are, are y'all awake today? All right, good deal, good deal. So we see that bus, and we know that bus is transporting children to, to Lake Hamilton or to Lakeside or, or to Hot Springs High School, and, and those things are going just like they ought to. And, and in the evening, those buses turn right around and go the exact same place and drop our little sweet children off, and we ask them, what did you learn in school today? And they said, nothing. And we'd say, why did we even send you? In Roman world, it wasn't that way. They didn't have buses. They had a guy. The guy was the, was the schoolmaster, and he would go to each individual house and pick up the children there, and then stop at the next house, pick those children up, and he'd walk them to school. And he would go uh, handle his business and do whatever he did throughout the rest of the day. And at the appointed time, he'd come back to the school and he'd take those children and drop them off at their door. He was the bus. That Old Testament system of faith 
was to carry us from Sinai to Calvary. The end. Why was it so detailed? Why was that law of Moses so detailed? There's one exclusive reason why the Old Testament law is so detailed and is so uh, pointed against anything outside of the Jewish culture. Here's the reason. It is to keep the bloodline of Christ pure. The end. The only reason that old law is there is to make sure Messiah comes and dies for you and for me. And it is a law that was getting us to Calvary. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 24 and 25. You also find out in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, something you know very well about. Anybody have a wheel? You guys don't want to say anything today, do you? Anybody have a wheel? You know what? I can change my wheel every single day of my life. And still going to read this. Y'all don't get anything because I ain't got nothing. Here, the last wheel that is in effect will be the one that is the last change when I die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. For without the death of a testator, the, the testament doesn't change. The will doesn't change. Well, when that one died on the cross, the change happened from that old law to the new law. And every, listen, listen, don't lose me now. Every single part of the old law. Did you hear that? Every single part was done away with. You say, but preacher, don't you know about Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 3? I've read it occasionally. You're talking about the one where it says God stopped creating and, and sanctified that day? Yeah, don't you know what sanctified means? It's, it's set apart. It has nothing to do with the covenant. What happened on the first six days? Day one, day one, God made light when there was none. Day two, he, he made a transition from the atmosphere to the water. Day three, he made land. Day four, he made sun and moon and stars. Day five, he made fish and fowl. Day six, he made people and the beast of the field. Day seven, he rested. Anybody ever watch Sesame Street? You remember on Sesame Street where they used to sing, one of these things is not like the other? One of these things does not belong. Which one is different? By extension of it simply being different means that it was set apart. He did creating on this day. He stopped on that day. It's different. Was it, did it have anything to do with the covenant? It did not. It did not. So, which is it? Is Saturday a perpetual command to, to worship God or is Sunday the, the day because of the new law that came into effect at the death of Christ? There are only eight verses found within the New Testament that deal with the phrase first day of the week. Don't let that shock you because there are only nine that deal with singing. Do we still sing? 
All right, let me ask you this. Is what God says important? Shake or nod? Yes. If he says it one time, is it important? What if he says it eight? What if he says it eight? Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. And we could look at Romans 2 or Galatians or the entire book of Hebrews or the book of Acts. But due to our time constraints, we're just going to look at Colossians chapter number 2. As we look at Colossians chapter 2, look at uh, the, first, the verse where we started with Michael this morning. In verse, verse number 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against the stop. What's he talking about? In Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, as we've mentioned earlier, Paul is writing uh, to defend the truth against a Judaizing teacher or even a group of teachers who would want to add something from the old law to the new law. He, he commonly references something like the law versus the faith. And when he, when he references things like the law versus the faith, what he's speaking about is that Old Testament law versus that New Testament system of faith that saves mankind. That, that old law that was not ever able to save mankind because of its inferiority in, in sacrifice versus that New Testament law that is able to save man because of its superiority in its sacrifice. He goes on to say, blotting out the handwritings of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, doing what with it? Nailing it to the cross. What is it? Go back from there to its nearest antecedent. That's the handwriting of ordinances. That's that Old Testament law. And he goes on further saying, having spoiled or rottened principalities and powers to be made, uh, to make a show of them openly or to... I don't want to say humiliate them openly, but show their, their flaw where they were not able to save man. Triumphing over them in it, let no man therefore judge you in meat, in drink, in respect of holy days, in the new moon. What's that last phrase say? Or in Sabbath day and Sabbath worship. Was it nailed to the cross? It was as nailed to the cross as planting two crops in a field, as wearing two different kinds of, of material, as being married to a Gentile. It's just as much on the cross as those other things are. Now, here is where your problem is going to lie. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Here's your problem. You can only choose one of these laws. And unfortunately for your screen, I wrote only two choices, but there's a third choice. You can choose the patriarchal system. You can choose, but he's not going to speak to you, I'm sorry. That doesn't work anymore. You can, you can choose the Old Testament. Or you can choose that New Testament. Let me inform you a little further in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 about this Old Testament. For the law, that Old Testament, having a shadow of good things to come. Now, as I hear the word shadow, I forget, forgot that we should have read verse 17 
over in Colossians chapter 2 that would tell us all of those things are a shadow of things to come and not the body of Christ. And so, this law having a shadow of good things and, and not the very image can never with the sacrifices that are found within that old law ever make the comers thereunto perfect that were offered year by year for then they would have ceased to be offered. Why? I could have offered it one time and have been holy and just as I stand before God. And, and my life would have been just as much as two turtle doves. I, let me say this. I think I'm worth more than two turtle doves. How about you? Oh, yeah. It's never there to make that comer in two perfect. They would have stopped because the worshipers then would have been purged from their conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, they were remembered again uh, year by year. Why? Because it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sin of man. On those eight verses that we mentioned about worshiping on the first day of the week, Many of those deal with the resurrection of Jesus the Christ, which happened on a Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, the entirety of that chapter, 47 verses, deal with Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover, and Passover falls on a Saturday. So if you're good at math, like Miss Brandy is, 7 times 7 is 49, which would make that a Saturday. Pentecost the next day would be a when the church was established. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Was one of those doctrines that they were to meet on the first day of the week? Didn't they meet to break bread on the first day of the week? Didn't they meet to give of their means on the first day of the week? You and I need to understand what the synecdoche is. When they met to, to uh, break bread and when they met to give, they also met and sang and they met and and studied and they met and prayed. It's a part for the whole. Which one are you going to choose? Here's your rub. If you choose the old law, then you have to deny the sacrifice of Jesus. Now let that sink in for a moment. If you choose the old law, Jesus' death, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, Jesus' death is no longer valid. Be cautious how you choose. If you choose the new law, you can't have the old law with it. Is it one or the other? If you're looking today and you're thinking, I need to choose the new law. You probably do. It's probably the fact that you never have, but you can. And it will be extremely easy. Simple faith in God and, and, and uh, repentance of your, of your sin, confession that Jesus is the Christ, and being baptized in water for the remission of your sins will add you to the church for which Jesus the Christ died. The church that we find in Acts chapter 2, the church that we pattern ourselves after. And if you have chosen that new law, but 
Sometimes you look at your own life and have decided you've come up short. It's time to come home. And it's time to do those things right now while we stand and we sing for your encouragement.